Are you an intellectual who likes to get a little ratchet sometimes? Can you have lunch with your corporate co-workers, but still get some respect in the hood? Welcome to the show for all the misunderstood women who exist somewhere between the boardroom and the trap house. We are Two Bees in the Trap. It's Britney, bitch. Welcome to episode six of Two Bees in the Trap. What's up, guys? Thanks for hanging in there with us for uh, six whole episodes. Six whole episodes. We are here. Um, And today we're actually going to be talking about uh, a subject that might have, you know, some some mixed reviews when it comes to career paths. But uh, today's episode is titled Bank and Bounce. No relation to bank head. (laughs) Thank you. You you literally took that out of my, (laughs) right out of my head. (laughs) Didn't even realize how how similar that sounded when we created that. I didn't even realize it either. That's hilarious. So fitting. Very fitting. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, you know, job hopping is a thing that I think a lot of millennials have been labeled as, right? Like we don't tend to stay at companies for as long. We tend to, you know, especially if you're, you're talented, you kind of have to move around in order to excel in your career a lot quicker. So, you know, it's really no secret that being labeled a job hopper can potentially even blacklist you from certain opportunities at a certain point, because they know that you're not going to stay there for an extended period of time. And companies just, you know, they don't like that, or maybe they're just having a hard time dealing with the, the changing uh, landscape of how this whole job thing is working, the whole gig economy concept is really kind of you know it's really taken over and people are really realizing their worth when it comes to these companies and it's not about you know hey I hope this company wants me it's about well y'all need me so you know what can y'all offer me what's going to make me want to come here and stay here um even if y'all are deciding that you want to invest in me so when we look at some of the differences, I guess, between people who tend to, to job hop as opposed to those who are choosing to stay at companies for extended periods of time, like what what goes into that? Like what makes someone, uh, I guess, more likely to, to job hop? And is it, you know, is it really a negative thing? Like what are the pros and cons? So we're going to kind of explore a little bit of that in today's episode. Um, I think what sparked this episode was looking at the article that AdAge published um, on Boz, I guess Bozema St. Patrick. Correct me if I'm wrong, Britt, if I'm- No, I think that that's correct. Butchering her name. Yeah, so they got a lot of flack for posting this article that talked about her being the the CEO most likely to jump ship, Mm -hmm. uh, that she's had like four different roles at four different, you know, four different companies in four years. She's literally been at a different company for like every year, but they've been like great opportunities. She's been at Netflix. She's She was at a company called Endeavor. She was at Uber. Um, I forget what the fourth one is. I'm missing one. <laughs> where And where does she, where does she, where's her most recent job, her new job? I believe Netflix. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. So in 2017, she was the chief brand officer at Uber. Um, So yeah. And then in 2018, she left Uber to join Endeavor as the chief marketing officer. And literally when she, when she left there, her reasoning 
and the end quote was, when I got to Uber, I was honest in my desire to go and change essentially what I thought was a challenging environment, especially for women and for people of color. What I discovered was a lot of people who had a desire to do better, honestly, but couldn't get out of their own way. At some point, it became too overwhelming for me. It became a good lesson for all of us. You don't need to be the savior. You can save yourself too. <laughs> um, which sounds very familiar, I think, especially from the perspective of Black women. We're, we think we're going to go into these places and be able to you know, enact the change that we know is needed and people don't really allow us to do that. It sounds good until you actually get in there and you're like, let's shake some shit up. And they're like, well, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> Shaking yeah. shit up, you know. <laughs> Shake your ass on out the door, you know. But out of here. <laughs> you're um, out of here, mom. <laughs> so yeah, Netflix now has picked her up and they're bringing her on as the chief marketing officer once again. Apparently this chief marketing officer, she is the CMO of, of tech is what it sounds like. Um, but yeah, she she actually is replacing someone who left for personal reasons, it says. And that's where she's been since August 2020, um, from what we know, I guess, until the next opportunity comes along. And it's crazy because I, I was reading some of the comments on LinkedIn when the, the day that this kind of blew up, and people were actually saying that she literally was just getting a lot of these roles and having to clean up the mess that a lot of, you know, the former white male CEOs had left behind. Mm. And I think that when it comes to, you know, especially black women in corporate getting these high level opportunities like that, it kind of is sometimes, you know, you're, you're a bit of a cleanup woman in some, in some ways. You think that is, you know, an accurate assessment that they like the expectation versus what she's probably coming in and actually doing. She's, she's probably like, this is what y'all want me to do, but this is what I'm going to actually do. Right. So I do think that there's a big difference in their expectation. It's, it's all expectation management, right? She mm -hmm. comes in like, okay, I'm going to do what you hired me to do. I'm going to even, you know, go beyond the, the glass ceiling. And there's like their opinion or their expectation is no, we just like the nice trophy or ornament on the shelf. You're doing right. too much. You know what I mean? And so I think that's where she's kind of of coming into having some issues I think that um, white people or white men specifically in corporate America are comfortable um, with black women when they do not intimidate them or mm. um, you know kind of pull out their own um, insecurities and weaknesses and inefficiencies right um, so I think uh, Bozema and to, cor to correct uh, Bozema St. John um, is her name, Boz uh, is how she's referred. And I think that she's probably, like you said, kind of coming in and cleaning up stuff and people don't like that. And you know what? It sounds like from just some of her quotes that she's someone who understands her self-worth and her self-value. So if it's taking more from me to be at Netflix, damn the position. You know what I mean? Damn the title. Um, I'm going to go somewhere where someone actually appreciates and values what I can bring to the table. Right. And thanks for correcting me, Britt, because apparently I'm trying to make her like the ghost of marketing uh, <laughs> by calling her St. Patrick. <laughs> Tasha. 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 <laughs> Everything I do is for you, Tasha. We digress. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. Um, only because I know that you know in previous episodes I've I've 
flubbed. So we're all, we're all good. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. And I think it kind of uh, seeing a black woman and I mean, like a, a dark skinned black she's, woman she's, who embraces yeah, she's not everything. Ambiguous. She's not right. Ambiguous. <laughs> right which is always which is always sort of a a point of contention i think for a lot of uh you know white people especially these these corporations that like to kind of put up you know the 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 kamalas <laughs> when it when it comes to representation at that level right because you're doing a lot of you're doing a lot of facetiming that's right uh w- whether that be for within the company or when they're you know interfacing with other uh with other stakeholders and partners and stuff so unapologetically take these roles and do what she feels is best and succeed you know she's actually getting results I mean they're not just calling her up just because <laughs> obviously um she's very sought after because she's good at what she does and it looks like she's doing it very quickly very efficiently I don't know all the details I've never really read anything from anyone who's like worked with her directly but everything I've seen thus far um like for the Forbes articles and stuff on her have all been I mean stellar stellar reviews she's she's pretty much she is it in terms of marketing in in these in this industry, you know. But I think when I thought about this topic, just even myself personally, I've hopped around a lot, and I've you know now that I'm 32 and looking at my resume, my resume is like damn near four pages long. <laughs> but most of that work has been contract work, right? Um, and like I was talking about earlier with the gig economy, I think that that changes things in terms of, you know, your longevity at specific roles or, uh, you know, uh, different jobs. Like when you're a contractor, there's no real investment in you. There's no real commitment. It's sort of like, you know, you're just playing the field. It's sort of like being on, you know, Tinder. <laughs> you know so, so i i, I want to go back to something very quickly um because some of our audience they may be familiar they may not be familiar but a gig economy is essentially where you know a lot of the the workers in the economy are contractors um they're not full-time employees so it's kind of like a you know when you're house trying to buy a house you know like a a, a buyer's market um, a seller's market, a gig economy is just basically where, you know, contract and, um, you know, freelance type work is prominent. Um, and so that's the field that Brittany and I, you know, are in and, and it's, it, it, it is thriving. Um, uh, apparently it saves businesses money. I don't see how, cause I'm raping companies. Yes. Um, <laughs> And I'm like, damn your health insurance. I really don't need an yeah. arm. I can buy Pay a win with that hundred dollars an hour that you're paying me. You know what I'm Pay saying? Pay me. Yeah. What I'm worth. Yeah. So yeah. um, so so we're we are in an, a gig economy and uh it works for us. Uh I can't say what it, what it is for other companies, but just wanted to kind of preface that um and break that down for you guys. Yeah. No, no, that no, that, that's definitely good. Because I think a lot of people don't understand like what contract work means and I think sometimes there's they try to differentiate like between freelancers versus contractors versus consultants because in the you know back in the day consultants were like self-employed people that these bigger companies were actually bringing in specifically to like tell them what to do right (laughs) you know um but now you can be labeled as a consultant it's really just sort of like a glorified contractor Right. Uh, whether you come in through your own business or not, you could be 1099, uh, a 1099 contractor, which means, you know, you're kind of responsible for all your own things. They may not be taking taxes out of your check, but you, you have to 
as the business entity are responsible for all of that. Yes, you bring home the back end. the entire net, uh, mm-hmm. your net deposit for your check. Um, but your ass better take them taxes out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you will be, you will be looking like Ron Isley. Um, <laughs> up in the up in the slammer so do them taxes oh, yeah. on that 1099 w2 takes care of everything it takes mm-hmm. takes the taxes out for you um yeah. but on 1099 you can kind of start writing stuff off and you know black people tend to get very creative with their write-offs during tax <laughs> seasons <laughs> i like i like creative did you really write your rottweiler off now like you can't write your rottweiler and the food and the toy <laughs> and the collar because he needs all those things and we need him <laughs> security this nigga this nigga really wrote a 1099 for security your rottweiler yeah. got it my, my home office requires security we are a very high risk industry <laughs> you, you do you do know you just mail in packages <laughs> oh my um, god but yeah that, that's a very valid point to make. And a lot of people, they may have opportunities to do that, to go that route, but they choose to go the W-2 route because it's easier and they don't want to get, you know, you know, <laughs> caught up. They don't want to get helmed up by the IRS because you definitely don't want no problems with them. Um, so yeah, it's <laughs> a valid point. But like, I don't know, like you said, there is a lot of opportunity. And I think that nowadays it's not frowned upon as much because people know it's a contract. They know that's part of the reason why you do it, right? Because it's easier. It's easier for you to get the types of opportunities that you actually want mm-hmm. when you go contract route as opposed to like only saying, oh, I got to get full-time, especially for what we do because there's very limited full-time roles for for writers at this level um, oftentimes. So even if there are full-time people at that company, they probably started as contractors at some point. Right. So um, I want to ask Brittany, what would be the advantage of even working in a gig economy, being a consultant um, versus going the safer route um, and actually working for a, a corporation? That, that to me is, is the, the bigger question and then yeah. I want to talk about, you know, where we're at, because there is a certain mindset. Um, you know, nobody likes to really not know how they're going to eat in six months. I mean, even even after like a decade of this, you know, stuff like right now, I'm coming up on the end of a contract at the end of March. And there is a little stress about it. But, you know, I'm I, I turn into like an old southern grandma real quick, like, you know, the Lord didn't bring you this far to leave you. So he'll, fi- he'll figure it out. <laughs> Damn, March, I ain't had no problem. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's, and it's also right. important for you to save in the interim too, because you don't know. But that's the, I think those are some of the things that kind of scare people away um, from wanting to be a consultant or a contractor. What are some other things? I know for me, you know, a lot of people like belonging. Um, I don't give a fuck about belonging. Um, <laughs> You when you're when you're part you're part of the family where you know yeah. as a contractor you're low key like a high paid slave you know what I'm saying yep. if this if this had been what it was back in the 1800s oh you could have got me all day I would have been cool with it but I I just can't 
I'm I'm fine with not going to the company picnic. I'm fine with not being friends with you. I'm fine with not having a corp, you know, climb the corporate ladder by being friends and hobnobbing. That's not, I'm one of those people where if if you don't have the personality for it and you really don't really care for politics, mm-hmm. um, consulting kind of works for you because they're going to treat you like an outsider. They're going to tell you you part of the team, but you're really yeah, an outsider. Right, right, right. So, oh, for sure. So I'm, I'm one of those people. Yeah, like I'm one of those people where I'm just like, I think my work should speak for itself. And nine times out of 10, you're doing everybody else's work as a contractor. You're not going to get a lot of the glory, whatever. I'm Mm -hmm. cool. Just pay Mm -hmm. me. Just pay me what you, you know, what you owe me. I I feel like Rihanna right now. Pay me what you owe me. Pay what you owe. Right. Right. (laughs) Like, I don't care. Pay what you owe, nigga. (laughs) Pay what you owe. For real, it's like I'm like Riley out here. I'm really Riley from from Boondocks. That's that's real shit. Yeah, but 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 that's a valid point to make because if that if those things are important to you, you're always going to be unfulfilled as as a contractor. Um, I think people like you and I, we just want to come in and get the job done. And I when I looked at this story about Boz, I thought the same thing. So I was wondering if you know. Being that obviously these these positions are full time positions, you know, at that level, you're just having conversations and getting hired on like that, you know, that that's it. There is no having to prove because your body of work and everything you've done leading up to get in that role is uh, uh, it speaks for itself. Right. Right. So. um, I don't know, like, I, I think that the other benefits of contracting would be the flexibility. Whereas when you're full time, you know, you only get certain a certain number of days off in the year, you know, um, <laughs> if you decide you don't want to go to work that day, you just don't have to go. But, you know, you, you won't get paid. But, hey, you ain't really got to tell them nothing. You ain't really got to give them no explanation. Anything you do is a courtesy. You ain't got to tell them shit. Just, hey, hey not going to be into that. <laughs> I don't know about that, Britt. They seem to have tripped on me in the past like oh she's you know she's taking a lot of time off or really as yeah as a contractor like they still be trying to it depends on the company it depends on the company i think yeah the company um because like i said they want to treat you like you're full-time in every other aspect when it comes to certain things though they want to act a certain way because it's something that they need you know like we need you for this so yeah do this but but any other time you out there on, on your own you can't come to this all hand and sorry because you're you're your contractor or you can't come to the christmas party because you're a contractor but you want to take off an extra day and not tell them why and all of a sudden is everything okay you're not really a part of the team here well, well no shit i'm not a part of the team like my contract actually ends in the next couple of months like what are you talking about you know but you know again it kind of gives you that 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 ability to try before you buy too mm-hmm. i look at it like that so you might not you might not really be sold on a company but contracting kind of gives you just enough of a in so that you can see the inner workings and what's going on do you like the people do you like the culture do you like kind of what's going on do you can you see yourself being there for an extended period of time and if so then you can start making that that transition now it used to be where they would flip roles from you know, contract to full-time you could stay in your same role and they would just convert you but nowadays that's, that's not a, so that's much the case. Plus, that's a big if. Yeah, it's people that have been contracting at these companies for like five years. 
And if they want it to be full time, they would have to go through the process as if they were just a nigga off the street. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, like you're working here every day, all day, but you'll have to go through that process just like everybody else or anybody else would if they just applied off Indeed or was found the role at. You're going to be competing against external people. Now, they may already have in their mind that, yeah, we know we want you. We work with you. We'd rather go with somebody that we're more familiar with. We know your work. We, we think you're a great fit. You're probably going to get it anyways, but I've seen that shit go awry. <laughs> People right. thought they were going to get it because they were already there and they ended up going with somebody else. It's just, it's a risk you take. But that's why I think too, contracting conditions you not to be so, not not to have this allegiance to companies um, for the, you know, to, to your detriment. Because it, it can work against you when you think these companies really got your best interest at heart. And, you know, some companies care more about people than others, but I think but I'm gonna always care about myself more than I care about them. Oh like, yeah. I don't care. You know, like I, I've worked for companies like Home Depot. I had probably the best boss that I've ever had. You know what I'm saying? But I had to make some moves and I, you know, I had to look out for, for me first. You know what I mean? Um, what about me? <laughs> huh? Well, I don't, I want to get into why we even, so this generation um, is more likely to job hop than our parents' generation. Yeah. And I had a conversation with my mom because I was like, well, you know, just trying to understand the psychology around it. And, you know, I think that Gen Z will probably be different than us, but I think our specific, you know, age group, our parents had a lot to live up to. They were typically the first generation of college graduates and there was so much placed, uh, so much emphasis placed on their success, them fitting in. And they're also more likely to put up with bullshit on the job. Like my mom mm -hmm. would come home. Uh, Brittany, we've had this conversation. Uh, my mom would come home, complain, complain, complain and not do anything about it. You know what I mean? As a contractor, I can quit whenever I want to. I say whatever I want to. If you don't like it, bye. I, I probably at any given time have two more jobs that I'm already yep. working. So you ain't did nothing but kept me from, from going to Disney World every weekend. Okay. Okay. Like, I don't care. So right. I feel like there's a difference in why we're job hopping. Our parents, mm -hmm. they needed stability. You know, yep. that was what that was what their parents you know, we're sacrificing, but this second, we're, we're now second, maybe third generation college graduates or attendees. Um, and we value ourselves in the workplace and we don't feel that we just have to put up with corporate bullshit. Um, right. Cause we won't find anything else. Like you said, you know, I think it was, uh, several episodes ago, but, um, after 30 years, you know, I get, you know, I get a pin, man, fuck, fuck that, fuck that. I'm going to, I'm going to design my own, you know, success. I'm what, what I think is success and damn that pin. I'm not going to work for you for 30 years for you to treat me like shit or at any given time, be like, get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like, nah, I'm, right, not, right. I'm not doing that. Exactly. Give me my six figures. And if you choose to cut me tomorrow, okay. That's fine. It's, yeah, okay. nobody's going to cry over that. Actually, matter of fact, I got to a point where I literally keep one bag. Like, this is, I guess, pre-COVID. Yo! The office. Whatever can't fit in that bag can't come with me to the office. Because at any point in time, I need to be able to pack all my shit in this one bag and get the fuck on. You know, I never understood the whole mentality of, like, putting up all these pictures yeah. and blankets and 
ottomans <laughs> chairs <laughs> you know like you live here bro no i come in to do my job and to do it well i don't need to be getting distracted with the idea <laughs> of, of, of stability in an office that's you right. know what i mean i'm i'm whatever thing i came in here with i'm taking out and hopefully if it's a good company they, they they're they're actually giving something that i can take with me and build on that from there as well um, I think that good companies do that because they want to see their people grow. And, you know, even if you're a contractor, they're giving you something that you can take with you um, to better yourself and, you know, go on to whatever the next chapter is for you. But I thought that an interesting statistic when we were, you know, talking about this, um, this topic was, you know, especially with it being a generational thing, a study done by the Education Advisory Board found that millennials change jobs up to 20 times in their careers. Mm. This figure is more than any other generation and twice as much as baby boomers so that in itself just I think is pretty mind-blowing and I think that a lot of like baby boomers and just older people period they can't really wrap their minds around no the idea of someone changing jobs that many times throughout their career yeah my dad their company my dad, my dad and I my dad's not like that anymore but like he used to be like why you just can't find a job and just stick with it? Like you're unstable. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry that every time I move, I move up a job, I'm making 10, 15 more money. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. And people won't talk about that either. That's one of the other main reasons why people will job hop. Um, it affords you the opportunity to really exponentially increase your income or your salary way quicker than just trying to stay somewhere climbing that corporate ladder because they're only going to let you get you know that that ladder is already metered yeah, <laughs> you know and you're only going to make like a few thousand mm -hmm. in, be in between you know like every every job increase. yeah I'm one of the jobs I left my manager literally said to me she's like oh my gosh and I was going to give you a 3.5 percent raise when I literally was getting a 20k increase in salary <laughs> <laughs> why i was leaving you think a 3.5 percent raise is gonna make me stay what the fuck <laughs> no i'll leave and come back before i stay here for that you know so and people do that all the time that's, that's why you'll see people leave companies for a couple of years they go somewhere have a higher level job at a smaller company come back to that company now that now they're a, a manager or senior level whatever you know yeah man that's like, experience like you said you know i'm gonna leave here with something and and if i don't on my way out i'm gonna take my stapler and a, uh, a bunch of pins <laughs> and a bunch of other bullshit fuck you i'm gonna get something yeah. out this yeah i'm gonna get, get mine yeah that's it that's it i gotta get gotta get yours <laughs> gotta get mine <laughs> oh my god i can't Partner, you should be paying me a fee. Gotta put in the she from the wire. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the uh, the questions that I wanted to ask um, is, how do people who who may be listening to this, how can they say, okay, maybe I will switch from my job where I'm making fifty thousand? And 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 first and foremost I want to break this down for people when you're working something like a, a, a job right it comes with PTO vacation really good benefits all of that stuff let's say they have you at 60k right and then as a contractor you could easily come in at like I don't know 30 40 dollars an hour and then when you are a 1099 um you may get 50 $55 an hour, 
um, and then you're responsible for your taxes. So let's say you decide tomorrow, I don't want to work my corporate job anymore. There's possibly more opportunities. You will be met with questions during your interview processes if you ever decide to go back full time after you've kind of capped yourself at that that particular salary that you're looking for as a contractor, they will ask you, you know, well, can you explain why you've hopped around so much um, when they see your resume? And one of the, the things that you want to eloquently explain to them is that, you know, a lot of the work that I've been doing has been contractual. I fulfill those contracts, help those companies succeed in their particular projects. I was also able to fast track myself in my career. So I was able to learn things quickly um, and move at a rapid pace. So not only do I have the skills, but I'm able to be agile and flexible, which I think would be a great benefit in this position. Um, but Britt, are there some other things that you know you may want to kind of uh yeah. provide some 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 counsel on to people who are looking to contract and and may be met with some yeah. resistance or hesitancy because of their contracting experience yeah when you're in that interview you look them dead in the eyes and you tell them i go where the money resides no where the money resides where the money resides <laughs> But no, no. <laughs> in all seriousness, because um, yeah, they they can't. They will look at look at that negatively in some places. But I think just to build on what you said, Britt, I think it's important to let them know that sometimes with contract work, especially in what we do as writers, mm -hmm. there are limited opportunities oftentimes in full time positions. So mm -hmm. I always like to tell them, well, I went to the companies that allowed me to do the work that I was most passionate about, the work that I was the most interested in. And it wasn't always full-time work. Even if it was contract work or freelance work, it allowed me to continue to build on my skill set and to stay sharp in my, you know, my, my industry um, and, and in my, my niche area, right? Uh, if that opportunity arose, even if it was a short-term contract, I still saw that as getting me closer to my goal career-wise, as opposed to taking, you know, a full-time job that may not have been as, uh, as relevant to what it is I truly want to do mm -hmm. and I think that they look upon that a little bit more positively just because it shows that you're taking the initiative to do whatever it takes to do the work that means the most to you and they'd rather have someone on the team who is doing work that they feel that they're passionate about as opposed to someone who's kind of just going through the motions just because it seems to be more stable um, and if you keep kind of chasing that you'll eventually find that that role that offers you both but sometimes, you know, it just, it takes a little while. And two, it gets you a whole lot more experience in a very short period of time. I call it sort of like a, a crash course uh, path career-wise. Not only are you going to get, you know, paid more quicker, but you're also going to get a lot more experience that you wouldn't probably get staying at one company for a long period of time. So these contract opportunities can really help you level up very quickly as long as you go about it the right way. You know, you, you enter into it and you're really you know, about your shit, you really are, you know, making sure that you're 100% focused on whatever the job is. If it's a, a project that has real KPIs, real goals, making sure that you're always on top of that stuff, doing your outside research, networking, talking to people, because you never know, people, 
people move around with these companies all the time, especially these really big companies. It's sort of like the same people <laughs> at yeah. a lot of these, you know, these similar companies and they all know each other, especially if you're in a really like niche type industry. So it's important to build those relationships and to network with people and to kind of, you know, keep those relationships because you never know where you might end up or where they may end up and where they can help open doors for you that kind of helps elevate you even more um, as you progress throughout your career. So and, always and kind of just tell them I go where I got the opportunity to do what I love. And alternatively, they can also be at the door blockading you from getting it. <laughs> so oh yeah. Uh, make sure oh yeah. And and just to go back to something Brittany said real real quick, uh, you know, just in case if you didn't know, KPIs are key performance indicators. And it's pretty much, you know, how you measure yourself, how a company measures itself in terms of success and goals yep. and uh, quantifiable things like, you know, we want to achieve, you know, X um, number of or X percent of whatever by this quarter or whatever. Um, I think yep. that's how they measure how successful they've been. Um, so, yep. yeah, no, that's that's real good, good stuff. So, uh, Brittany, do we have any suggested readings? And, and, and one thing that we this podcast is about um, is it is definitely about uplifting each other so if there happens to be uh, a resume that you have that you feel needs a passover um please please don't hesitate to send that to uh two bees in the trap uh at gmail.com we're more than happy to make sure that you know as black people we're we're, we're looking out for each other and supporting one another yep Exactly. Um, and just the readings that we have for this week, just a few articles. If you guys want to check out that article on Boz, um, it is on Ad Age. And uh, they've since changed the, the title of that article as well. But I think it was now just like the most in-demand CMO of 2020. Um, and we'll drop that link for you guys as well in the description. And uh, on my website, writtenworks.co, I actually wrote a couple of articles about freelancing versus full-time work. Um, it's kind of catered to creatives, but I think there's a lot of good information in there that, you know, would apply to people in any industry, no matter what, what you do. Uh, and it's just freelancing versus full-time jobs for creatives. And I have, you know, part one, part two, and I'm going to drop that link as well. And if you guys are just kind of interested in looking at the, the differences um, in millennials versus previous generations and how we've been sort of uh, changing the, the, the face of work <laughs> over these past, I would say probably like five to 10 years, dropped in a link to an article called Five Ways Millennials Are Changing the Workplace as well. And yeah, I think those are, those are some great pieces to check out on this particular subject. And uh, yeah, like Rich said, we're, we're down to help you guys in any way that we can. <laughs> Between the both of us, we've had hella jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we kind of know. Writing resumes at monster.com. And uh, mm -hmm. before your girl left, I uh, made sure I got some goodies on my way out. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm more than happy. Some to goodies. Some goodies. Some my goodies. goodies. <laughs> <laughs> Resume goodies. <laughs> So Long yeah, Britt and I, we definitely have tons of experience, not just in communications, but with resume writing. Um, and I mean, you know, LinkedIn profiles, LinkedIn profiles, um, mock interviews. Um, your girls are, are masters when it comes to interviewing. Hell, sometimes yes. I go on interviews knowing I don't want the damn job just mm -hmm. to hone my skills. Yeah. And then I yep. and then I say, no, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> keep that. 
you he keep the that. job. <laughs> Another episode of Harry yeah. Arnold was like, you you keep the money. <laughs> oh, Oscar. <laughs> So that, listen, guys, this has been another great episode of Two Bees in the Trap. This is episode six, Bank and Bounce. Uh, Stay tuned for episode seven, and we'll check you guys later. All right. Peace, y'all. Thanks for listening to Two Bees in the Trap with your host, Brittany M. And Brittany W. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And don't forget to join us next week. And be sure to subscribe and also invite your friends to listen to us too. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. See you next time. Bye. It's Brittany, bitch.